Podcast One and Forbes present Mentoring Moments with Denise Rastari, a show where women you may never meet will become your mentors. Join Denise in her New York City apartment and tap into her conversations with successful women who are dropping the V-bombs. That's right, they're getting vulnerable. Now, here's your host, Denise Rastari. Hi, and welcome back to my apartment here in New York City. You know, when I was in my 20s, there, my girlfriend, Debbie, and I lived together. We shared an apartment in Washington, D.C. And Debbie was really smart. She worked at the CIA and just really a wonderful person. But like a lot of us, Debbie, as smart as she was, she was like really bad in the boy department. And she was dating this guy, Ronnie, who was jerk is like an understatement for what he was, right? I mean, it was just like super jerk. But Debbie would always make excuses for him. So one day, my friend Jeannie comes to visit, and Debbie and Jeannie don't know each other. And Debbie's out with Ronnie. So Jeannie comes to visit, and Debbie comes back from her outing with Ronnie, and she says to Jeannie and I, you know, Ronnie and I had the best time. He even made me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And Jeannie looks at her and says, wait, he made you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Debbie's like, yeah. And Jeannie said, you know, Deb, I don't even know you. But if you came to my house, I'd make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She said, you know, I'd do something better than a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I'm not dating you. And it was that moment where you looked at it and said, he was doing something that was so ho-hum, something so normal. But Debbie was giving him a standing ovation, right, for this normal behavior that he was just making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for her. So... I thought about that when we're with people who we allow them to deplete our emotional bank account Mm. and they don't put anything back into it. Mm -hmm. And that when we accept that ho-hum behavior and we allow those people into our lives Mm -hmm. and say, just come and suck the energy out of me, suck all the emotional intelligence that I have out of my emotional bank account. Mm. And then when they do something like, you know, my boyfriend's really a jerk, but he opened the door for a woman on crutches. Well, isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Or, okay, this is a true story. I know a woman who her kids are highly educated, but you know, this was her, her benchmark for success. My kids aren't in jail. It's like a Chris Rock moment, right? right? right like, you know, right. it's like, it's okay, like, you're not supposed to be in jail. That's right. not what the goal is. You're not supposed to be in jail. So whenever now, whenever someone tells me a story and it's like, you know, my job is bad, But my boss, he didn't mean to throw that stapler at my head. He just, you know, picked it up and aimed it at me. But he's really a nice guy. I always am like, just stop. Just get out. And then they always go on, though, right, with a Mm -hmm. but, 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 blah, blah, blah. And then I say, you know, you're suffering from the peanut butter and jelly sandwich syndrome. Mm. And they look at me and they're like, the what syndrome? And I'm like, I tell them the Debbie and Ronnie story. And then I say, but here's the great part about it. There's a cure. And you're not going to find it at the CVS. You're not going to find it at the drugstore, Dwayne Reed, wherever you shop. It's all within yourself. And we have to quit allowing people to enter our lives and just suck the energy and the emotional, our emotional bank accounts dry. Mm. And we have to say stop. Yeah. And that's my mentoring moment. Mm. And the person that we all hear sitting across from me today is our mentor for the day, Tiffany Schlein. So... Badass is a word that comes to mind when, and she's smiling at this when I think of Tiffany. She, her Twitter profile reads, 
wife filmmaker, red lipstick, and it's beautiful red lipstick. I'm looking at it, <laughs> hat, and it's a great hat that she's wearing today. Founder, our Emmy-nominated show and new film on women and power is hashtag 5050, which is a great, great show. You have to see it. You have to see it. It was released on October 27th. And she recently tweeted her rules for life that say, unplug, sleep, and surround yourself with inspirational people. So I could spend the entire podcast introducing you, Tiffany, because there are so many successes you have. And I think I'm exhausted because yesterday I was like watching everything I could about you. And it's like, there's so much to watch. Exhausted in a good way, exhausted in a good way. You are the founder of the Webby Awards, which is huge. You're a TED speaker. You delivered a commencement speech at UC Berkeley that NPR said was one of the best commencement speeches ever. And I have to agree with them. It it made me cry. And the U.S. State Department selected four of your films to represent the U.S. at embassies around the world. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And last month, you launched your third annual Character Day, which we were going to talk about all of those. Okay. So, Tiffany, welcome, welcome. I am so thrilled you're here. Thank you for having me. You've been on my radar for years, and the universe brought us together, which is another entire story, but I'm just so thankful that the universe brought us together. And now I just, there's so much to talk about, so I want to dive into your mentoring moment. Well, you know, when you said that, I I have so many, I'm trying to think which one, because you kind of brought up more of a the new girlfriend advice, you know, you meet a woman and she gives you great advice. And that's, those are very important moments, but I'm going to tell a more official mentoring moment. Can I, you can tell whatever it's your, it's yours. You own it. Okay. Okay. So one is, um, I was working on a movie and I, I should say that, um, I've made a lot of films. Most of them up until this point, I had never been in my movies. I had narrators and I, they weren't that type of movie. And I was in the middle of making um, this movie feature documentary called Connected. And I had this sinking feeling when I was watching it that I wasn't connecting to the emotionally to the subject it was just a little too intellectual. And, and I personally was going through this massive moment in my life, my father was dying. And I, yeah, it was just a very heavy moment where I was dealing thinking about losing connection with my dad. And I remember I thinking, I have to insert myself into this movie, which was incredibly scary for me. I felt exposing, vulnerable, but I knew like I couldn't make this movie without exploring the emotional side of connectedness. I was exploring the technological uh, issues around connectedness. And I was so scared. And I remember calling um, a film programmer who was kind of tracking this film I was making. And I told her that I was switching directions and I, I felt like it had to be done. And I was <laughs> nervous about it. And, um, I remember she said to me, you know, you have to, if you're going to do this, you have to be just incredibly honest or it's not going to work. And I really held that close to me, just the authentic, like that was my radar, what to include and what not to include. And, um, and now all of my films, I somehow, not all of them, but a lot of them, I, I narrate my own films now, which was so a really pivotal moment of me owning my voice. Like, why am I having some famous man narrate my own movies? <laughs> but there are my thoughts. Um, so I, that has been like a marker. And I really remember that conversation crystal clear, like it was yesterday. And just to be honest and authentic and trust my gut. Um, so that, that's one mentoring moment. And another one, I, and I, have, I feel very grateful and lucky. I have a lot of mentors, both women and men, and peer mentors with my girlfriends. And, um, Do you have younger mentors? 
I think my children are my mentors also right. because they're constantly teaching me things and challenging me to do things. I think uh, I think everyone can be a mentor, and I, I do kind of explore that in the movie, which I've come to. But I, I'm part of something called the Aspen Institute as a fellow, right. Henry Crown Fellow, and they actually assign you a mentor. Like how incredible. Like that was one of the most appealing parts of it. And, and I have a lot of mentors that I, I don't – it wasn't like some formal relationship, but of course they're mentoring me, men and women, my parents, all this. But I loved that I was going to have a formal mentor. What does that even look like? You know, I've never been in some corporate structure. I've always done my own thing. So I didn't know what that could look like. So I remember they give this incredible list. And, you know, Anna DeVere Smith's name was on it. And um, she became my mentor. And, you know, we would have... Can you tell our listeners who she is? She's just... She's She's a badass. She's a a writer. Uh, She pioneered a new kind of theater, which is like documentary theater. She has a show in New York actually right now um, that's in previews. And she's just a thinker, speaker, trailblazer, amazing woman. And I remember we would have our mentor calls and they were always very kind of short and to the point. And I was, I had been asked to do this show and I was really struggling with whether to do it. And I just remember her just be, like stopping me mid. She's like, Tiffany, absolutely. You're going to do this. It's a new era. You know, there's new. I remember she just she just so clearly like just laid it down and she was right. And um, I loved the kind of space like we're going to have a mentor call. Like what a gift. And actually, since making the new movie 5050, I proactively, you know, have reached out to someone I think is really talented. And I said, I'm going to be your mentor. And we have these mentor, we have these calls every like two or three months and she asks advice and it's fabulous. And I think, you know, they say you can't ask someone to be your mentor, especially if you don't have a relationship with them. It's kind of awkward because it's all about the relationship. But I think everyone can proactively mentor, say to someone, I want to mentor you. Let's set it. Let's have a call every three months. And do you think it's saying I want to mentor you versus will you mentor me? I do. I agree. I do, actually. I agree. I agree. I think I've had a lot of women come up to me at screenings like, can I, will you be my mentor? And I don't even know them. Like it, mentorship is such a personal relationship that it's all about the relationship. And I think about my main mentors, I, mean, I don't think we've ever used that word, but I call, usually say advisor. <laughs> mentor is very motherly as a word. It's like more maternal and nurturing, but in this movie, I really explored the term mentor a lot. We actually had a brainstorm for the movie in New York. And this one woman, and we talked about mentors, this one woman said, well, I haven't had that many mentors, but I've had a lot of anti-mentors. And I was like, what's that? She said, oh, those people that say, you can't do that, usually men. And she says, I can't wait to prove them wrong. So they're the anti-mentors. And I was like, we tried to get that in the movie, but it didn't come in. But um, yeah, I think mentors can be found everywhere if you just open yourself up to it. And that's one of the things that I'm loving about mentoring moments, right, is that we're really democratizing mentoring. So there are some mm-hmm. people who will never have that one-on-one, that great one-on-one Right, so you're saying a moment could be anywhere. Right, exactly. I love that. Right. You just opened it right. way up. I, I mean, I was saying earlier, I used to love to come to New York. I don't find it as much anymore because everyone's on their phones. But I used to get great advice in taxi cabs. Right, exactly. I would just, like, you know, strike up a conversation they always had just freewheeling advice they would offer, and it was always really profound. I just always remember moments I'd write in my journal, like, that person just said that, and they were absolutely right. Right. So that, yeah, by collecting those stories, right, so you're getting these different stories. So the idea for Mentoring Moments really came because I was at a dinner with about 20 C-suite women of major corporations. I was like the only entrepreneur, self-appointed C-suite mm. person. And they were all talking about how important it is to mentoring. And I wish I were making this up. 
but other except for two of them, they all said, but not me. I'm too busy. Huh. So you're recognizing the need that you're not doing women, anything, about but you're not doing anything. And so I ranted about that for a while. And then yeah. I was at dinner with a woman that we mentor each other. She's 37 and we mm-hmm. truly do. It really is collaborative. That, mm-hmm. And she had said, you know, mentoring is really what we're doing. It's these mentoring moments mm-hmm. in life where we're sharing stories. And so that's how mm, the idea I came. It. Yeah, I think it's right. Cause I do, as I was making this film, some people, somebody on my team said, well, I, I don't have a mentor. And I don't want people to feel bad that don't, but you're right. If you open up the, expand the whole definition of what a mentor is, those moments are all around you. And if you think younger, older peer, a lot of my girlfriends are my peer mentors. Right. I mean, every walk we take, we're giving each other advice right. and supporting each other. That's what it is. Which is so important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we have personal mentors as well, right? I yeah. think a lot of times we think about mentors being on the business side. Yes. And so I'm going to talk yeah. about, because I think something that would really be great for everyone, something that you possess is moxie. Mm-hmm. So where do you find it? <laughs> um, and I, I think back to, you would talk about the quote from your dad about living on the edge. Yeah. And you can tell that quote better than I can. Yeah, so my father you say, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up way too much space. And he was Which very, very ballsy and really innovative thinker. He was a surgeon, but also a writer and wrote these really amazing, brilliant books about civilization and had really a lot of interesting ideas that went against the grain. And I love, he always thought really big and long-term. And um, yeah, moxie, for those of you who don't know, it's a Yiddish word and it, it's like uh, courage. And, um, I, you know, a lot of my work with the science of character these last four years, um, where I've been really looking at the neuroscience and social science on character development, and I definitely believe you can build your courage muscle, so build your moxie muscle by just doing it. Whatever scares you, do it. Do more of it. It's like a muscle. And the more you do it, the more you're going to want to do the next thing that is courageous. But how do you do that? How do you like you say, scrunch your toes and you go, yes, I, yeah, the thing, I, I try to jump say, in. I really do. I, I start every year. I'm like, I am going to do one thing that scares the shit out of me every year. And I do, whether it's accepting some crazy talk that, you know, because I, at this point, I, you know, I, I do a lot of public speaking, which I love, but there's always usually one talk a year. The stakes are very high. The audience is very big and I'm nervous or it's a brand new talk or, you know, so I always usually do one of those or I, I got asked to repel off of a building for Outward Bound, which I love Outward Bound. It scared me. I did it. It was fabulous. Um, but I, I really do try to push myself. I mean, to the and sometimes I I say yes to too many things. Um, this fall is a great example of that. I really overcommitted, and I'm really trying to look at that because. But I felt an urgency with the election and all sorts of stuff. But this has been um, a really intense period for me with work. But my saving grace is I completely unplug. You know, with my family from technology Friday night to Saturday night. That's my saving grace. I think that's the and only. You call thing. it your a technology shabbat. So we've been doing it for seven years. It's been an amazing thing that keeps getting deeper and richer for me. And I really think grounded me, but going, can, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. How it's grounded you? Because oh, I, it's incredibly grounding. I mean, my, this is, so a you very, unplug from Friday night until Saturday. Yeah, We're night. Jewish. We're not very religious, but we love Shabbat and we love the rituals and culture and humor and all those parts of the food, all those parts of being Jewish. And so we always have people over for Shabbat. We make a big feast at the table, flowers, they arrive, every screen goes off. Um, cell phones, iPads, computers, phone, you know, television, whatever screen is off for the next day. And it's really changed me. It's our favorite day. Yes, I have a teenage daughter. Most people want to ask that. We've been doing it so long now, though, but the whole family loves it. And then 
you know, time slows down and what's the one day you want to feel long is Saturday. It's a very long day. It's deeply relaxing the minute the screens go off. And I keep like a sheet of paper with a Sharpie in case I have some thought that I don't know what to do with and saved for the next day. You know, I feel much more creative the next day. And um, I think it's the ritual, the habitual weekliness of it, that we've been doing it every week for whatever, seven years, is it really is a deep part of my life now. And um, we're all very present with each other. We're, we're just doing things we wouldn't normally do if you have that device there. No one's trying to get someone off a piece of technology, do our projects, we garden, we go outside, we just space out, we read. We forget how alluring, we forget what we used to do when we did not have the screens. And I love every week that I get to remember this other mode. And it's been really great. I think I would love to be able to do that. And I'm, I am, I really do you want can to do give it, it a try. I know. You're just like you can do it. At me. You can do I made it. a little five-minute film called TextureBots. And uh, you should check it out. Everyone can do it. I think people say, oh, I don't think I could do that. Well, you can. Right. And you need to because this is not good to be like. I agree. I agree. So how do you deal with the, like, I have a 90-year-old mom, so mm-hmm. I want to stay Guess connected. Guess what? She calls you on the landline. Okay. So we have a landline. Oh, you have a landline. We have oh. a landline, and uh, if we ever need to, I usually call my mom on Saturdays, and we tell people, if there's an emergency, you can reach us. In seven years, guess how often that phone is wrong? None? Zero? Once? Zero to one Good. times, yeah. So I love being unavailable. Actually. No, I think that's great. That's part of it is that, you know, think about how often you're having a great day. You open up your inbox and some email stresses you out and ruins your whole day. Right. It's like we are allowing this phone to have like all these different things influencing us at every moment. So it's like one day that I feel like this protected space. Everyone knows they can't get in touch with me. It's very liberating. Any problem is going to wait to tomorrow. And I just get deeply relaxed. I think that with the away message as well, my husband says, whenever I go on vacation, the moment I put up my away message, he says, I can see a difference in you. And even though I'm checking, I do check my email, but it takes the pressure off of, I don't need to check it now because you're not expecting a response. There was a study done years ago in Arizona. And the bottom line is they took two people out of their normal workplace and put them in a different area without any computers, any technology. And they couldn't perform because they weren't reacting to anything. Mm. They would get into work in the morning normally, they would turn on their emails and they would start reacting. Mm. And without that, they didn't know what to do. They didn't have the ability to plan their day. That's interesting. Well, I mean, they say, I usually try to, like sometimes I have usually have a piece of, as all of my productivity tools, which I have many, I use Asana for like, my tasks and my staff's tasks and all that stuff. But I keep a sheet of paper with just like a black pen. A Sharpie is my pen of choice. And I write the five things I would like to get done that day. And all day long, I'm just looking at that sheet so that I'm directing my day and not letting everything else direct my day. And it's just like I just keep looking at it, hopefully crossing things off. Right. But it's hard to remember that you need to take control over your day and not be in reactive mode. Right. I'd love to see that study if you right. send it to me. That's it was, interesting. It was years ago, so oh, okay. I will try to I'll find look it. i it up, Arizona reacting employees. Right, and it okay. was that they were reacting to it. It was, it was years ago that they did it. So your character day, I want to talk yeah. about that. Because I think there's an action in here, too. One of the things I hear women of all ages say to me is, how do you take action, right? So mm. you have this great idea, mm. and then how do you make it into a reality? Oh, I have a good answer for like that. that. I figured you would. That's why I'm asking Okay, you. well, first of all, I made a film called The Adaptable Mind, which your listeners should check out. They can find all of my work at um, tiffanyschlain.com, no C in my last name, or go to Let It Ripple, and they can see the film. 
but it talks about what are the skills you need to flourish in the 21st century and it's in that. But here's what I do before I start any project. And it has to do with your mentoring. And it's always a different group. But I think who are the five or six people that are going to be on my advisory board? I have advisory boards for every single project I do. But I don't just have an advisory board. I invite them over for wine and cheese and I tell them what I want to do in a room. It's not enough to have advisors on the phone or on email. Get They all want to meet each other, talk about it. And that's, that launches a project. I cannot tell you how valuable that is to bring a specially thought of group five or six people over for one and choose to talk about your project. Amazing things will happen because you have accountability to them. They want to help you. You've had to talk it through. You're getting closer. It's just an amazing thing to do. That is fabulous advice. I was just saying the other day to someone, one of the hardest things in being an entrepreneur, many times when you're a small entrepreneur, like when we're working Mm -hmm. with ourselves Mm -hmm. and maybe we have an intern who's part-time or whatever, but there isn't a staff that you become very much yourself, right? You're you're relying so much on your own ideas and your own thoughts, yeah. and you're never getting beyond that. Yeah, and and all the bad voices in your head, all the good voices in your head. And <clears throat> sometimes there are days where I feel like they just counter. They just my whole day was the bad voice and then the good voice, the bad voice and then the good voice. Just it's counteracting so, yourself. Exactly. So I'm coming They're canceling out. each other right. out, and nothing exactly, got done. Right. It's yeah. like voting. It's yeah. like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just like here. I'm never getting yeah. to one end or the other. Yeah. So I, I'm going to take up. I'm going to take you up oh, on that one. Right. I'm going to try. On, I really am going to try on the technology. Oh, the technology spot, please. It's like right. it'll make you so much happier. You have to do it. With, you know, do it with your husband. It is about doing it in a you're by yourself, do it by yourself. But there is something good about just making a pact and saying, we're going to do this together and we're starting this night and we're going to end at this time and just doing, it's an experiment. Right. I think And it's I great. bet you're going to feel great. I and, think it's great. Yeah. And so back to character day, cause I want to talk okay, about character, character day. day. So back to the taking action is, so how did you come up with an idea? Oh my goodness. And explain what character I day is. I am a woman of action. I must say, and right. I think it was my college essay for Berkeley, UC Berkeley, I was supposed to write an essay. I wrote a poem, which was very scorned upon from the college counselor. But anyways, it was like kind of identifying who I was, but it ends. I like to make things happen. So I am a person that likes to make, it is a great pleasure to have an idea and then see, do all the hard work and tenacity to take it to reality and then see it happen is like such a beautiful, I mean, that's why this film coming out after a year of just all these research and details and conversations and having it be released is so exciting. So character day, whenever I'm given exciting research, I love, um, first of all, learning deeper about it and then sharing it usually in a film. So I was given this research on the science of character by Marty Seligman, who's considered the father of the positive psychology movement. And basically he and this other psychologist, Peterson looked throughout every culture in history and found 24 common character strengths that every culture throughout history, every religion agreed that it led to living a meaningful, purposeful, successful life. I thought that was fascinating. And, you know, things like curiosity and humility and humor and love and leadership. And they just broke it down. I loved seeing it broken down. And then like there was columns that led to virtues. If you work on those things, it leads to that virtue, like wisdom, whatever. And I, I just loved seeing almost the building blocks of who you were broken down and that everyone valued. So that was very exciting to me. And I thought, well, and then, and then there was new research that if you focused on particular strengths, like gratitude, perseverance, first of all, it could help some people out of a bad situation and it could lead to a better life. So I thought I want to share this far and wide. So we made an eight minute film called the science of character. And I've had films premiere in lots of different ways. Um, 
you know, Sundance, Tribeca, you know, various formats, theaters, um, festivals online. And my real goal usually with a film is to start a conversation. So I thought, well, how can I start a global conversation? I want to give this film away for free. I want to offer them discussion materials around it and let them do their own event. So the first year, and we're going to call it Character Day because we want to start a global conversation about the social science and neuroscience and character development and how to strengthen who you are. First year, we're expecting like 250 screenings. We had over 1,500 on every continent. The next year, we had 6,700 screenings. And then this last month, uh, for our 30 annual Character Day, we had 90,000 screening events in 125 countries where everyone was showing. We've made now... We, we have an offering of our three films, which are the science of character. Then I made a Jewish version called The Making of a Mensch, which looks at these ideas through a Jewish lens, and then The Adaptable Mind about taking initiative and what are your skills. And then we curated some films from some partners, and we offered tons of discussion materials and printed discussion cards and posters, and people could do whatever they wanted with their event. They could be as – it was so – people were so creative with what they did. We just said we're going to offer you these films, and you're going to be part of a global day. And then we had an, uh, a Google Hangout Q&A. So we had all these experts like Marty Seligman and all these Angela Duckworth who wrote about grit and all these amazing thinkers every half hour would go online and I or someone from my team would be in conversation with them. So it's like they were at a global screening at their own event. And it was just such a beautiful thing to see how big it got. That is great. Now I'm going to go back a step though, because I think for a lot of people the thought of how do you even ask people to be a part of what you're doing? And we can look at you and say, okay, well, you're at this point now in your life, right? You're over the founding entrepreneur days of right. the startup, but you have a great story about yeah. the Webby Awards even, right? How you got people to be the, in the Webby, to come to the Webby yeah, Awards. Yeah. Like when I was in my twenties right. and no one knew what the web was. Right. Right. So what is it that, what advice do you have to be able to get what you want? Okay. I think that if you are passionate and enthusiastic about something that that's infectious, I mean, I'm a very enthusiastic person by nature, but I feel like, well, first of all, I'm one of those people, I can't work on anything I don't believe in. Like I, you know, like I've never understood how like I could never do advertising. Right. You know, I have to, I care so much about these films. Like I could, I could not, I don't know how to fake it. Right. And this goes back to being authentic with what you're passionate about. But if you're really passionate about something and you can figure out how to communicate that, people are going to come on board. Everyone wants to be part of something exciting. And I think the other thing that you come from a place of power and abundance, not from I need you, but more like this is this amazing thing. It would be fantastic if you could join us and help it. So for someone (laughs) who's saying, I want Shonda Rhimes to be on my podcast. Yes. What okay. advice do you have for that person? Okay. Who could be me? It could be you. <laughs> it could be me. But, think... but just in general, seriously, what advice do you have? Okay. For that well, I'll tell you. You know, there are when you're writing to someone you admire, tell them specifically what you admire about them. Because I think there's a lot of you know you can have people write to you a lot, and well, actually, I hate it when people write to me and ask to pick my brain, which right. happens all the time. I agree. They don't know me. They've just asked to pick my most important organ, which is my brain. I think that expression is a bad one. It doesn't sound very right. nice at all. And I get, I, I really, I usually write back, ouch, that sounds like it hurts. Right. <laughs> they don't great. know me. Okay. That I am stealing. Yeah. That's and great. they, first of all, have not told me any reason why, and I don't want them to pick my brain. I think it'd be a much better way to say is I'd love your advice about something right. because I really respect the way you did X. And I think people need to learn how to ask. And, um, so 
you obviously admire her. <laughs> and if I think being really specific on what you admire about her, so she really understands that you really respect her for her specific work and not just for being a known person and explain to her your vision for this show and how amazing it is. And she would be a great voice in addition. So it's like coming from a place of power and then abundance. Right. And I agree a hundred percent of not being afraid to ask Years ago, I wanted to invite someone to be in an event. And I had said, I think I'll wait until so-and-so though says yes. And someone said, why are you waiting until so-and-so? So I was like waiting for the bigger name so that way I could get yeah, this person. Yeah, like, yeah. Just go ask her. Yeah. And you never know when say? you're going to catch someone. Right. I mean, I um, have been on both sides. And um, when I really admire someone, I mean, it's so great with social media because there's so many ways to connect with with people. But... I admire a lot of people and I, I'm always happy to tell them why I admire them. i actually have like a hero list. I have a woman's hero list. I have a couple's hero list. I have, I have lots of lists of people and what I admire about them specifically. Cause I, you know, I think we're all works in progress and I think it's good to know what your character strengths are and it's good to know what you want to work on. And it's good to know why you admire certain people, what quality, what character strength do they exhibit that you admire in them and how can you work on that? Right. I agree. We're going to play a quick game of what are you done with? Okay. So I'll give you an example. Okay. So I'm done with saying yes to things that aren't that important to me. So saying yes to events that aren't that important to me, because what that does is number one, the day it happens, then all day long, I'm thinking about, Uh, Oh God, I I got to go to that. And I don't want to do it. And I'd rather be doing something else. But more importantly, it takes me away from the important people in my life, right? Because if I'm giving time to this over here that I really don't want to do, but I felt like I should, or it was fear of missing out. So I was having a FOMO mm-hmm, moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to get closer to what you're done with. I still probably, I mean, when I'm with my kids, yeah, I mean, just saying no to things that pull me. I mean, I love being with my kids and actually my, my week, I have like these dream weeks of like what the week looks like. Cause I, I work from home usually on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so I can pick up my youngest who's seven from school, which I love doing. And then I work at my film studio Tuesdays and Thursdays in the city, and I usually have late nights. I kind of compress it all. Now, this last two months with Character Day and finishing this movie, I have been going in every day, and it's been really hard. So I am just about to enter a period of, yeah, no, I can't do that, and and, and hibernation and hanging out. And I'm so – I mean, after, of course, the film launches, but – I'm really looking forward to that because I like, you know, there's a saying, is it by Flaubert? It says, be normal and routine in your life so you can be radical in your work. It just, it's a little bit right. better than what That's I just great. said. That is great. And I like routine. I love our Shabbats. I love, I haven't been working out lately because I've been working so hard. I, I'm definitely at the point where I'm at the end of a long stretch of really working more than I normally do. And, but I know all of these big projects require that. So I, I also know that, that this is what it takes to launch a film or to finish a film and get it out into the world in time before the election, which, of course, has been the big goal. Yeah, so um, it'll be easy for me to say no to a lot of things coming up. And that, that is really powerful in a good way. Mm-hmm. You're not making a power play. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dig into, I'm going to talk about 50-50, your new movie. We're going to dig into a lot of things. But first, I want to thank True Car for supporting Mentoring Moments. 
you know, I talk a lot about how I'm simplifying my life. And if you're in the market for a new or used car, that's one of the things True Car does. True Car can make your buying a car an easy and simple experience. So first of all, they have new and used cars. A lot of people don't know they have used cars as well, but they have like 500,000 previously owned vehicles that are available from 11,000 True Car certified dealers nationwide. So it's really simple to find what you want. And you can find all of these cars on the True Car website or download the app, the True Car app, and you can do that while you're sitting on your sofa. So that's pretty simple. And then you don't need to spend time figuring out if you're getting the best price, which is really important, right? Because True Car does it for you with the True Car pricing curve that shows what others in your area have paid for the same car. So not only does that simplify your life, but it gives you the confidence that you got the car you want at the right price. And here's a fun fact, something my daughter says to me all the time, fun fact. True car users have saved an average of $3,279 off of the MSRP. And those 11,000 dealers that are nationwide, they're real people. And they're there to help you keep it simple. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar.com or download the True Car app to enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim Barnacle. And I'm Harry Hill. We're the hosts of a new podcast called How I Got Here. Everybody has a story, and we've heard great ones from people all over the country. People like Tom Brokaw, Ken Burns, Maria Shriver, and Larry King. You can listen to How I Got Here on PodcastOne.com. And please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Commercial real estate challenges? For 160 years, companies around the world have trusted Savills for expert guidance and perfect workspace solutions. See what Savills can do for you at Savills.us. Mentoring Moments. Mentoring Moments. Takeaway. And now I'm so excited to bring back Tala Hadavi for Tala's Takeaways. <laughs> Tala is multilingual. She speaks five languages. She's a photojournalist and a documentary filmmaker. And she's a millennial. And she's been my friend for 10 years. <laughs> so Tala's been listening to Tiffany and I. And now it's your turn to tell us what you heard, what resonated with you, what you want us to dig deeper into, questions you have, something that we said that you don't agree with, whatever, it's yours. And there's so much. I really, <laughs> Tiffany, for once, and I've been to a lot of conferences and listened to a lot of speeches, but I, for once, I feel like you're one of those people that actually give like specific steps to success, which Thank I you. really think is important for someone like me that is really curious and want to learn from someone like you or, mm. or like you, Denise, is to get specific. So get specific. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. Like getting specific is really good. And like everything. you talked about the moxie and like yeah. doing one thing that scares you every year. Yeah. And I, I really believe in that. And it's a specific action that you take, yeah. or you talk about coming from the place of abundance as, as, yeah. um, instead of scarcity mm -hmm. and, or instead of need and asking specific questions of whoever you want to be your mentor and not mm -hmm. say, can I pick your brain? Mm. Which I know other people have said that they really taught um, your to-do list that you look at all day long. Your when you want to take actions, the advisory group. I want to actually follow up a uh, follow up question on that. 
for someone that is not there. Like you can actually call very influential five, six women or men, whoever you feel, and invite them to wine and cheese, and they can really give you great advice. Mm -hmm. And you can go take that and go into your actions, right? But for someone that has never made a film, someone that does not have a name, what do we do to take action from a great idea and actually put it in yeah. execution. Um, you'd be surprised who's already in your database of support. So when I do an advisory board, it might not be who you immediately would think. It's really, a, I mean, there are some people that can really help make things happen, but then there might be some people that I know are interested in the subject or have thought about it a lot. Or So I think that we all have people in our life that can offer great wisdom and that's the starting point. And then they might know someone, you know, it's like start with your, who, you know, and who knows you and supports you and go from there. And the good news is most people like to be on an advisory board. <laughs> Even the name sounds very official and they like to meet the other people who you would consider with that same kind of respect. So it's like a concentric circles. I would start with that and it will continue to lead to more people that can help you. And then do I do I really need to be far along with my idea or do no, I just sometimes I have an early idea. Also, this is the other thing I say, and I've done this for I mean twenty years since I started the Webby Awards. I ha I do a quarterly newsletter called Breakfast to Tiffany's. Um, where I usually will, uh, will talk about something, things I'm working on, and then I highlight other people's work. So this quarterly newsletter has like films, books, events in New York, San Francisco, LA, that a lot of them at this point in my life, which is fun, are most of my friends. But when I was younger, it was just cool things I saw happening. But that lets my community, and it started just with the people in my life, and it has, of course, grown to much larger now. But at the beginning, it was just, you know, my friends and family. This is what I'm I'm working, I'm trying to make this thing happen and also shining the light on a lot of other people's work. So it's not, I see people do newsletters that are just about their projects and it should be a balance. Um, and everyone's got an email list. That was another little piece of advice. Sorry. Kind of went off topic, but. <laughs> um, you talk a lot about in your speeches today, you mentioned it short briefly. You talk about the influence of your parents, like your father, yeah. your mother, yeah. uh, and how important they were in making you so enthusiastic about everything mm -hmm. and excited and really taking action in, mm -hmm. on your ideas and always just um, being excited about the things and passionate and authentic about the things that mm -hmm. you want to do. I was an immigrant in Sweden in the 90s, and I, my parents and I were worlds apart. Mm -hmm. You know, coming from Iran, they, they had a totally different experience than I had in Sweden. Mm -hmm. How do people like uh, my, me mm -hmm. that don't have the same, mm -hmm. same kind of support system from their parents actually yeah. get to where you are? Well, today? I think, well, first of all, as amazing as my parents are, which they are, my, my father has passed away they had the most horrific divorce. That was probably the most traumatic event of my life. It lasted from when I was eight and the divorce finished after four lawsuits when I was like 14. So I know some people like think I had this idea because like, I am so close to my family, but it was, and now as a parent, I like when I think about, and this was before conscious uncoupling, they said the worst things. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> I think about it now. So while they were great parents, it was, they had a very bombshell thrown into my family that lasted the major portion of my developmental years as a kid. That being said, they're awesome parents and it brought us closer in unusual ways. And, and then those of people that don't have parents that they feel like are helping them find their path. I'm looking at Denise sitting right next to you. Uh, there's your 
family and then there's your chosen family and your chosen parental figures. Um, even now that my father's passed away, I really look to this other, he's my godfather as kind of like my surrogate father and there's some other men in my life. I think you can always, there's people all around you that can serve certain roles for you. If you don't have siblings, you find people like sisters or like brothers to you. I mean, I think you have to make your world. Um, I want to change the direction a little bit into the 50-50 movie. And I watched it last night and I really loved, uh, I love the movie and I love how present you are. And you talked about that earlier on in, in your conversation with Denise and how that was scary initially for you and you felt vulnerable. But it really, it's really nice to watch it and you feel really connected to you because you're mm. looking straight into the camera. <laughs> I'm and very close. Very close. <laughs> uh, I love that. It really, Great. it really, and your voice is so strong and positive and enthusiastic. It keeps coming back. <laughs> Um, no, I really loved it. But what I really love the most about it is this, this changing of narrative of we don't want to talk about anymore. I'm tired of saying how far behind we are. Yes. 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 And so, change. Sorry. Go, go, ahead. Go, ahead, go ahead. No, changing that narrative yes. and making about abundance. We've actually come a far way. Having 50 leaders yes. in the world as females. And most people don't huge. know it. Right. Yes. I mean, that exactly. was that's what started the movie for me was me meeting a woman who told me that. I asked her, she convenes elected women presidents and prime ministers, and I asked her how many there have been to date, and she said 50, and it blew my mind. And because we haven't had one in America, we just don't know. But then the more surprising thing, okay, it's one thing if I don't know, that means I need to learn more about (laughs) what's going on. But then I asked maybe 70 to 80 people, leaders of big organizations, women's organizations, CEOs of big companies, people on the street, no one even came close. They said maybe five, seven And it really pointed out to me how much we're telling the wrong story and that we need to reframe the narrative because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we're constantly being like, we're not this, there's only 3% of women directors, there's only 5% of women on the board. It's like, let's like change it. It's an important fact to know, but I think it's always just coming from the wrong place. Like, I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, even on a project, um, because, you know, I do raise a lot of funds for my films and I enjoy it. I know a lot of filmmakers are like, oh, but if you come from a place of it's abundant, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to help you. There will be a lot of people to help I'm you. Bet. If you come at it like, oh, my God, I've got to raise a million dollars for this movie and I'm so stressed and then they're going to feel that and people are going to feel that and then it's not going to happen. So it's like it is turning your narrative into a more positive space coupled with a lot of hard work. Um, to make a project happen. But I mean, I think in the case of women's history, my goal in 20 minutes, the film is a 20 minute film. I thought it would be very powerful to give the full arc of women, women's history and where we are in the arc of history in 20 minutes. Cause I've seen a lot of very long, great documentaries on women's history, like multi-part series, but I wanted it to be in one gulp. And it's interesting that she introduced you as a millennial because you know, it's premiering on refinery 29 and it's a wonderful, very hip platform for millennial women. And that was very exciting to me too, because just as I've lost context, I think we've all lost context and we need to remember why this is such an important moment in history, um, where we've come from, where we need to go, how it's, how we need to get to 50-50 and actually that we had 50-50. It was a whole 10,000 years ago. Yes, that's what's crazy, right? Right. But we never think of it. It's always like climbing our, clawing our way to somewhere, but we had it. We're going back to what we had. 
as I said, we're like hamsters on wheels. Mm-hmm. We're just constantly that hamster on a wheel yeah. going like around in a circle sometimes. Yeah, you need the bigger perspective. Right. Yeah. And I, for everyone who's listening, you have to see the movie. I'm serious about that. It's, it's called 50-50. I realize yeah. I haven't said the name of the movie. Right. The movie yeah, is 50-50, yeah. and we'll have it on the show notes as well. Okay, But great. it's 20 minutes, and it's worth every second to watch it. Thank you. So are there any other thoughts, questions you have? I actually that... did have one more okay. <laughs> follow-up on the okay. 50-50. Do yeah. we have time? Yeah, we have time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, follow-up on that, just yeah. because I want to go back to actions again. Okay. Um, you, you, there's a short part of the movie where it talks about the standing ovations. Yeah. And I, I really think about, so changing their narrative. Okay, we do that, right? That's a huge step. It will take a long time, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a start, right? Like by, by showing this film, it's changing the narrative. Instead of talking about how poor, how much behind we are, mm-hmm. we're talking about how far we've actually come and how we can take it. And then the, the standing ovation, taking the action of how do we actually get there? And I mm-hmm. say that get there in quotation marks because how do we actually get there? Mm-hmm. So talk about a little bit about the standing ovation effect and, yeah. and how do we take ourselves there? Well, actually. this woman, Laura Liswood, who I met, who taught me about the 50 liters and she used this great metaphor that change happens. It's like a standing ovation. First, a couple people stand up, the real bold, brave people, and then more people stand up. And then soon the rest of the audience stands up because they can't see the stage and that that's how change happens. And it's just such a beautiful way to describe it. And so when the film ends, we say, you know, go to our site to see the organizations getting us to 50, 50. So we have, we have a list of about 30 organizations who we consider are the best in every area, whether it's culture, business, politics, you know, equal pay, all the issues that are going to get us to 50, 50. And they're all listed on our site to find out more and to take action. We're also using the hashtag 50, 50, which we want to get started to like, I just saw like Saudi women are voting for the first time and I just like, let's get that into the conversation, you know, let's get 50-50 equality as a global conversation. I mean, who knows, maybe we'll even do a 50-50 day, like character. (laughs) That would be great. Yeah. It would be. Yeah, I really love that. I think uh, the standing ovation effect also applies to us women doing that for each other. Yeah. Because we have such a hard time cheering each other on. So yeah. if some, if a few of us stand up for someone like Tiffany doing making a great yeah. movie, then more people are forced Thank to, you. and then the last part of the people will stand up just because they can't see, right? Yeah. They have to get up. I think that's right on. We tried to get that into the movie you know, the issue of women supporting each other. And we, we have one scene where the Equal Rights Amendment was held up by this woman named Phyllis Schlafly, who was a woman who was against the Equal Rights Amendment. But we could have gone deeper. But it was a 20-minute movie. I We're know. working on a larger series. But that's a very interesting topic of if you come from a place of abundance, there's room for every woman right. to be successful. Yes. Well, in, in general, in life, right? Then yeah. look at how many women that were coming from that that point of scarcity. Right, and then they you're competitive not, yes. and you don't want to share. Yes. But if you come from abundance, you want to share your right. contacts, you want to... More will yeah. come to right. you too. Yeah. And well, I think that's your yeah. model in life. Right. Oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah, we always talk about you have to come from that point of abundance. That yeah. you have to be good. But I also think within ourselves to realize, Tal and I were just talking about this earlier, comparing ourselves to other people. Yeah. So, you know, who else yes. is doing a better job than me? Well, not, know, in I a, have this... compa- not in a, like, um, I'm jealous of them, oh. but I'm inferior. Huh. Well, okay, I would flip that instead of saying that, is that these are people's careers that I admire and why. 
Right. I agree. Instead of I'm inferior, right. it's more like I admire how can like I love the way they're doing X. Right. That's why I love that you actually talk about actions, because that's how we actually as younger women can can get there, you know, to what yeah. you're doing yeah. is if I hear the things that you have done, the actions, literally the steps that you took to get here, yeah. then I can try to imitate that. Yeah. And I think the number one step is I work my ass off. And I surround myself. I have an amazing team and I'm super grateful for them. And a great husband. That's right. Well, yeah, I should have said that. Right. I have a very equal partner. I feel blessed. I just read uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was giving the seven pieces of advice to raise an incredible woman, a daughter. So I love those right. kind of things. I was reading it and the last one is marry well. And uh, I think I feel so lucky. I met Ken when I was 26 my dad introduced you, right? Yeah, my dad introduced <laughs> Which is great because he's such a sort of... Yeah, and they were so you. close. Right. Before he passed away, they were very close. And um, and I just feel so grateful because I know it's a luck of the draw. I have lots of good friends who just... It's a hunch. You're really making a, a hunch decision. But the thing I will say that you can clearly ask a man you're dating, how do they feel about child, You know, sharing responsibility... They should also be passionate about their life. If you're passionate, it'll be very helpful if you both are passionate people about what you're doing. They love what they do. Um, and then they see you equally. Show them 50-50, and that's a good litmus test on how they feel. Because we want men to want 50-50, too. And actually, Ken, he always we, – we make movies. We're working on a movie together right now. And But he always – he was a really key advisor on this film because I remember he saw some versions of the script. He's like, that's going to turn men off. You could have a line in there, but, and I'm like, well, I don't want to turn men off. So let's take the line out and, because I want, you know, but yes, I feel so grateful. I met Ken. I, I really, I just, I know how important that part is. I don't think I would be here without that kind of support and equal parenting that I, I have. That, that for all young women who are listening to this and mm-hmm. women of all ages, I also have a wonderful husband, and Tala knows my husband, Lewis, and we have this wonderful relationship, which he says is built on that we are equals. Yes. And we have different strengths. Totally. Everyone does. We're totally different people with different strengths, but we are equals, and we respect each other. But thank you. And when we were dating, so... I got, I was divorced. I know when you said that, then I didn't, I was right, happy so he's, to hear that. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so he's my second husband. We were dating. My daughter was seven years old. Anyway, before that, I really wasn't picking guys that I wanted as husbands. Yeah. I was dating through, yeah. you know, through that divorce process through, after being divorced and going through that process of finding yourself. But the guys I were dating, I didn't want them to meet my daughter because I didn't want them to be a part of her life, but they didn't want to meet her either. They, mm. they didn't want her to be a part of their life. Yeah. So when Lewis and I started to get serious and I had said to him, you have to, so I had this mindset of having a daughter is not a good thing if you want a relationship, Mm. right? Having a daughter is a great thing, but if you're looking to get married again, because I was with these guys who weren't looking at having a daughter as a plus. And we started to get serious. I said, you have to understand something. I come with two heads, four arms and four legs. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, and how do you know that's not what I want? Oh, and you know, and that was that moment, uh, right. Where you say, this is, this this is right. right, This is right. This is that person. And then there were so many other things. It wasn't just that, but having that partner, is huge it's it's just huge and paula's recently married (laughs) yes and has a baby oh yes yes seven Um, month old yes wow i want to get into all that you should see i made a film called brain power about early childhood brain development oh i will check it out for sure 
Um, okay, the one when you're meeting your partner, if you have the same sense of humor. Yes, oh, yes. That's super important. And to laugh, right? We talk laugh. about this all the time. My husband, and Paula sees us, he still makes me laugh. Oh, my husband makes me laugh. Right. Too. He that's still so, makes me laugh. That is such right. an important ingredient. And, and yeah. if he's not making me laugh, he makes me smile. And speaking of smiling, we've got to, we've got to say goodbye to oh. the podcast for right now. So great talking to you, but this was fun. wonderful. Wait, wait, I have to take a picture. This is, oh, we're yeah. going to take pictures. I'm taking pictures. That's so cute. And they're like both huddled over the that's because I love Tom. I say this I know, all the time. Listen, together. When you were I love saying Tom. that, I'm like, this is your other mother right yeah. here. Oh, I, yeah. know. I know. She really is. Right. Well, you got to just see that. So, everyone, thank you. Thank, we're taking pictures. We're taking pictures. Thank you. Okay, we're kind of going reading in an audio. This is it. We're, we're signing off. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. And to get Mentoring Moments, the moment it's available, which is every Wednesday, please subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review. And you can check out the show notes on Forbes.com. I'd love to hear how you build your moxie muscle. And are you ready to take your technology, Shabbat? Or maybe you have a different tip on how you're going to take control of your life. And who's on your hero list? I'd love to hear, and you can find me on Twitter at Denise Rastari. Until next week, keep sharing your stories because your stories matter. Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at podcastone.com, Forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Many bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, they are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower... It does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.